AMSA AdLib is supported by the Academic Group. Students on a clinical elective, a rotation, or just observing are required to carry short-term medical malpractice insurance. The Academic Group offers AMSA members worldwide a 10% discount on this coverage. Visit our website for details at amsa.org academicgroup. Becoming a physician is a complex journey that inspires questioning and self-reflection. In this episode, Dr. Ilya Runyon talks about challenges within the healthcare system that may hinder the practice of reflection. Dr. Runyon, who serves as AMSA's graduate trustee, began her residency in July 2014 at Wayne State University Detroit Medical Center. She spoke with Perry Sai, an MD-PhD student at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill School of Medicine, who is AMSA's Vice President for Program Development. Do you consider your spiritual self and your medical self as two different persons? I guess I strive for that answer to be yes. Mm -hmm. I'll put it that way. I really do feel like this type of profession where you are so intimately connected with other people is in in and of itself it's called a calling for a lot of people that they call their profession a calling. I hear meditation and yoga being utilized as ways to relax or calm down from the stresses of practicing medicine. And, and when you pose it like that, um, it sounds like this very uh, separate practice from medicine and a a counter practice to medicine because mm-hmm. medicine puts you in this state and then you use meditation yoga to re- to uh, regress from that state right um, to whatever right. Uh, mental health goals that you might have using meditation and yoga and I just want to hear from your perspective what, what do you feel about that way of framing the use of meditation and yoga and what other ways are there to possibly you uh, to incorporate meditation and yoga and spirituality into your practice of medicine? That's a really good question. Um, I think, so this is kind of a fundamental, uh, people who write about or who practice meditation will talk about this topic all the time. That there's this idea that you don't do yoga because I think it is, it has become a misnomer. And it, it's, all, it's because of the way I think the Eastern practice was introduced to the Western world. Um, I mean, yoga has turned into something we think of as you do at the gym or instead of the gym. Yoga is actually a way of, it's a life. It's like a, a way of, it's a lifestyle. Um, it is the true essence of what yoga is or what meditation is, is actually living that in your daily life. So I think that is something that has been, and it's not just even in medicine, it's just been the way the Western world has incorporated that practice. It is an escapist type view, um, which is something I didn't know when I started. It's something I wasn't aware of, I'll say, when I started practicing yoga, because I was doing it for the same reasons why a lot of people would, which is I want to stretch out, I want to become toned, I want to exercise. Then again, when I started getting into the more meditative aspects of yoga and actually hearing from people that live that lifestyle and are the, you know, are the gurus of our day, um, they'll talk about how the yoga is not what you do on the mat. It's what you do when you get off the mat. Or the fact that you don't do yoga, but you live yoga. 
Um, and yoga is, so especially in Kundalini, the idea is, um, which will start to sound more like healing or start to sound more like medicine in a way. Mm-hmm. The idea is you, your practice, you, the actual physical practice or the kriyas or the breath or pranayam that you do, the mantras that you say, they're all to reconnect or realign yourself with your, your inner wisdom, your inner spirituality that we all share because we're all connected, we're all unified. We just don't know that we are necessarily because we are in these discrete bodies. But our energy is. And so, our energy being unified, I mean. And so when we go out into the world, there's this idea that everything you do is for the benefit of all beings. So in a way, at least when I consider or when I think about how I want to be a physician or be a healer, the things that I do, I want those things to be for the benefit of all beings, which could be any person that walks into the hospital. Granted, <laughs> <laughs> when it's this is a very and this is a very interesting concept, and this is something that I think should be reflected on in training way more. But we don't even get this conversation we're having. We don't even get close to this a lot of if ever, in training, which is unfortunate, actually. Because medicine has turned into, Western medicine especially, but medicine in general has become a business, which, I mean, obviously you have to have a business to make things run. But I think the way it has turned into a business has gotten so far removed from the idea of a calling. And so this is something else Rachel Naomi Remen talks about and how when she can get these physicians who have been practicing for 50 years to realize or recognize their own calling, why did they apply to medical school? Why did they become a doctor? She says, it's literally, trans- it, it's, it is the transformation that they needed, you know, so they won't, A, you know, quit, B, need to be on all sorts of antidepressants, or C, even commit suicide. I mean, it gets to the point where you feel like a robot, you feel like a cog in a wheel, and you don't realize why you're doing what you're doing, which is such a it's, it's such a spiritual practice in a way, going back to the idea of um, the in- level of intimacy you have with other people. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there is really, there are very few professions where you have that level of intimacy in terms of what people will tell you, what people will trust you with. People trust you, literally they're trusting you with their body. Right. And I think we don't realize that impact of that because it does become rote so this is I think what you were asking is the medical self and the spiritual self are they two different things and I strive to have the medical self my medical self and my spiritual self not be two discrete things some of the challenges you've described um, with being able to practice reflection in medicine um, sound like very systemic issues systemic issues with the culture of medicine the practice of medicine um, in your words, the business of medicine, where do you think these problems came from? That's a big, that's a big question. It's a, it's a huge question. It's a huge question. There's obviously a certain level of necessity mm-hmm. to the business of medicine. I mean, there are, beyond the calling, beyond the level of intimacy, beyond the healing, there is, you know, we all have to make a living and I guess I won't get into the money is a whole nother <laughs> it's a whole nother issue. Um, 
I'll just put it this way. I mean, doctors have never gone hungry, no matter, they've always had a stable lifestyle culturally throughout civilization. There's always a level of respect. What I think may have happened, and again, I don't want to step on too many toes and cause too much controversy, but what may have happened is the idea of that certain level of respect or sustainable sustainability or lifestyle maybe got a little out of hand in terms of financial compensation. Mm-hmm. Not to say, because again, obviously doctors aren't the ones making the huge bucks. I mean, we, again, we make a good living, but we also now have to deal with issues of mountains of debt, loans. It's not as easy as it used to be, I think. Um, so there's that as well. Obviously, if you're going into medicine, you're not really anymore going into it for the money. Maybe there was a time where you were or where that was an easier thing to do. I think that has a part in it, the idea of compensation. But again, I think maybe that's less of an issue now. Maybe it's because now there's, you know, people are making specialty choices based on how much debt they have, which we, you know, we know is one of the reasons why primary care is having an issue in terms of numbers. Um, So while, again, and I'm not, I don't want to say anything about, you know, people wanting to make a good living. I don't think that's really the issue. I think in a lot of ways, um, medicine has been, Medicine has been, um, the, or the practice of medicine has kind of been taken out of the hands of doctors. I think that's actually what it's more coming down to um, in the sense that insurance companies are dictating prices on procedures. The way we reimburse physicians is not always for the right reasons. It's based on how much is done. And I know this is, people are realizing this and it's starting to change, but it's based on what you can do to a patient rather than what necessarily you could do for them or help them with right um so i think that's a big part of it but i think doctors unfortunately and i'm not really sure when this happened because it was again before i mean it was before i was born before and i think it goes back a ways is the idea that we no longer really control how we interact or how we practice medicine is dictated to us mm-hmm. and as private practice is getting harder and harder to do because of these same reasons we work in hospitals for the most part um and we have to i mean if our patient if someone gets really sick you have to go see your patient in the hospital and you have to have hospital privileges and that comes with a contract and a whole bunch of legal terminology and obviously these things are in place for a reason but who's running those hospitals are not necessarily the physician Mm -hmm. um and i think the like i said the a lot of these big corporations and conglomerates are are kind of making decisions and the people in who are running those those corporations especially the insurance companies again they're not they're not physicians they don't have that same sense of um they don't have the background they don't have that same sense of calling they don't know what it is you know to take care of another to take care of a patient or take care of someone who's sick and it becomes evident it's incredibly evident when like literally the other day, I had to prescribe a narcotic for someone after surgery to go home with. And the insurance wouldn't approve a 10 milligram dose, but they would approve two tabs, five milligrams each. And that le- that's the level of absurdity that we're dealing with, which I find, I mean, that's a prime example of 
I can't just write a prescription for what the patient needs. I have to be informed by social, you know, a social worker or someone whose whole job is to review all these kind of rules that the insurance companies have laid down that we have to follow. And then she, that person has to then call me and tell me that I need to rewrite the prescription so that it meets a requirement that actually makes no real logical sense. Mm -hmm. But this is what we have to do now. And I think, so yeah, I think it is a big, hairy mess, like a systemic (laughs) mess (laughs) that becomes overwhelming. And I think, and this is why, this is why I, I, another reason why I think AMSA is so important because you have to start breaking down what you can change because changing the system is going to take a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of, there's just so many angles from which things need to change. And I think it can get overwhelming. And what will happen is because, and this is rightfully so, because a physician, you go, most of us at least, you go into medicine for this calling, for this purpose, and you want to learn the science and you want to learn how to treat people and make them better and you want to learn the skill. And you focus on that because that's what, that's why you went into this. You realize the system is there and you realize it may be impeding you, but you don't even know where to begin. So then a lot of times physicians will just say, well, I'm not going to worry about it then. I'm going to focus on, again, rightfully so, I'm going to focus on my patient and I'm going to make sure that I can do the best for them. And that is all fine and well and good and amazing. And at the same time, I feel like we all kind of have to stand up though. We have, if, because it won't get better if we don't say this doesn't work for us. AMSA AdLib is brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. How has reflection impacted your journey to become a physician? Tell us at adlib at amsa.org. This episode was edited by Pete Thompson and Rachel Glassford, with help from Christine Camizio and Carol Clark. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer. AMSA AdLib is now available through iTunes, so you and your friends can now subscribe directly through your iPhone's podcasts or iTunes apps. Let us know what you think about AMSA AdLib so far. Email us at adlib at amsa.org. Thank you for listening. AMSA AdLib is supported by the Academic Group. Students on a clinical elective, a rotation, or just observing are required to carry short-term medical malpractice insurance. The Academic Group offers AMSA members worldwide a 10% discount on this coverage. Visit our website for details at amsa.org slash academicgroup.